Welcome to Guild Wars, a podcast dedicated to unearthing the deep lore of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. I am Joe Neustel, and between myself and my co-host, Tony, we have over 20 years of experience with the Guild Wars franchise and still manage to know very little. So without further ado, here he is, Melandru's Dirty Boy, the OG Flame Seeker, and a prophetic powerhouse of portent, Tony Melchor. Hello. I, uh, how you doing, Tony? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm well, thank you. Good. So what have you been doing in game this last week? A little bit of raiding, uh, some strike missions, and that's about it. Started a new job, so my week's gotten a little bit heavier. Um, so not much time to play. Yeah, you were helping our buddy out, uh, one of our guild mates or guild members of lore, do some strikes to get some currency. Mm-hmm. Didn't go quite as planned. Yeah, check out his podcast, Nerd Out with Benzium. Pretty cool. On most podcasting platforms. It's been fun. I guess more of what I've been doing uh, is playing with another friend who also leads a guild um, called the Great Old Ones. I've been helping them with training, so I guess I've been doing training. Oh, yeah, I hung out with Goo a little bit. They're they're pretty chill people, man. That training didn't, you know, didn't go so well, but that's what raid trainings are for, right? Mm -hmm. I've just been riding across the Temerian Plains this last week. Wrong game, but I just started playing The Witcher 3, and I love it. I'll get on that one day. One day, right? Day. There's a reason they say it's one of the best games of all time. Like the hype is real about it. It's really good, really good, and I'm really excited for that. But that's another story for another time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Back to Guild Wars. Today we have Glint and the Forgotten Part Two. I've been very excited. I really wanted to do this episode, but instead we did the Flame Seeker prophecies because <laughs> it fit in the timeline. But. I've been very excited to get back to our baby girl, Glint. Bay. Yeah, so let's do a little recap of last, uh, well, not last week, but our last episode, part one of Glint <laughs> and the Forgotten. Don't forget them. I'll try not to. So what we can remember, the Forgotten were flung across the mist to Tyria. Mm-hmm. They freed Glint from Kralkatorik's influence. They did pretty great things for the world at large post the dragons falling back to sleep. The Forgotten helped their best friends forever, the gods, <laughs> cast Abaddon down at the turn of the Exodus. Toxic relationship. Eventually, the humans pushed the Forgotten to the Crystal Desert where they served Glint. And Glint wrote the Flameseeker Prophecies in 272 A.E. Is there anything major that I'm forgetting in that recap, Tony? That strikes you? Not currently. I'm thinking about the Flameseeker Prophecies right now. <laughs> what a mess that was. What oh. a fucking mess. Oh. But now we look on to better and brighter things. I never would have guessed. I can't believe it. They've swept the rug right out from under us. But after Glint wrote the Flameseeker Prophecies, well, the events of the Flameseeker Prophecies begin to unfold in the year 1070 AE. They begin with the war in the pre-searing Ascalon, or is sunk in 1071, and the in-game story for the most part takes place in two years, 1071 to 1072. Okay. 
So what's happening in that 800 years after Glint has written the prophecy? What has Glint been doing? Relaxing, going on walks on the beach. That's what I assume. Let's have a look. <laughs> See, we know that Glint was tending her scions, the eggs that she laid, uh, that would hatch into the venerable Vlast and our beloved Aureen. Though, Ori. <laughs> our little baby. Gotta love it. Love that dragon for better or for worse, right? Little Aureen. So cute. Though not much is known about the, the actual moments during this period. Actually, I wrote that, but then I learned that a lot is known about this, this period. Glint is working closely with the Brotherhood of Dragons, a group of dwarf zealots who have more or less devoted themselves, much like the Forgotten, to preserving the legacy of Glint and helping the Golden Path come to fruition. If you remember, the Golden Path is what we're referring to as Glint's prophecy. Her vision. Yeah, how she wants the events to play out. Essentially, it's her setting the stage for the fight against the Elder Dragons during this awakening. Prepping everything? Prepping everything. And boy, she really does. <laughs> I made a vast understatement by saying that not much is known about this and... She really puts in some work. She goes to work, then. So the Forgotten, let's check in on our Forgotten friends. Now, cast out of the framework of the human world, they are tasked with guarding Augury Rock. They namely spend their time constructing a city that would be a safe space to study the rite of ascension and secrecy. The city would come to be known as Kesho. Kesho? Kesho. And you've been there, you may not remember it, but it is a place swallowed by the sands of the Elon Riverlands at the time of Path of Fire. Oh, okay. Fallen to quicksand after Palawa Joko has diverted the river, but that's another story. An Elon Riverlands. So they're there guarding a secret, and you know what happens when the world hears about a secret. Everyone wants to know what it is. What's Everybody. the what's the recipe to Dr. Pepper? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know and I don't want to know. <laughs> I heard it was just prune juice. Just prune juice? Oof. It's just Coca-Cola and Pepsi mixed. Plus prunes. <laughs> Plus prunes. Yikes. <laughs> Prepare your body for that one. <sighs> Gotta love it. So they have this secret they're keeping. And this is where we'll revisit the story of Turai Asa. Oh. The hero of Alona and the father of the Sun Spears, who defeated the Lich Lord Scourge of Vabi, Palawa Joko. Now, we know his legacy of grand accomplishments loom large over the sands of Alona. But what of his pilgrimage to the north? What was to become of the followers who trekked with him across the corrupted sands of the desolation and up into the crystal desert? What was his motivation? New place? New hope? Well, he's not a man to act on fancy. He, he's a man that gives results to Ryasa. He usually goes somewhere with a calling. Okay. But unfortunately, Tariasa, who we once thought awesome. Oh no, is he not so awesome? 
must have let that go to his head, because what he does next is a little presumptuous, to say the least. Oh no, ego. Now. Oh boy. Unbeknownst to me when I was writing The Humans Part 1, which was more of a sweeping overview of the human lore and less of a deep dive, yeah. Terai Asa led his pilgrimage north to the Crystal Desert because he hears some really smart words. Oh? These words are prophetic visions of the soothsayer Glint. Okay. The Flameseeker prophecies. And Terai with his ever-running list of accomplishments, hears this prophecy and believes that there can be no other mortal fit for this undertaking. The prophecy must be about him. Oh, no way. Oh, shit. In the year 868 AE, he follows the leads north and with his ostentatious ego, seeks ascension. Oh. No, dude. He stumbles across the Forgotten and makes his fatal error. He attacks them. He did not. Because apparently he had forgotten. <laughs> forgotten just who he was messing with. The Forgotten. Oh, forgot about the Forgotten. This leads to what the humans do best. And there's a division of his followers. And this weakens them. Mm. From a land far to the south of the Guild Wars, the Elonians still hold that tribalism in their hearts and turn on each other. Oh, God. Is this just an innately human trait? Uh, I guess so. Damn. Okay, so the house crumples. I mean, it has helped them survive in the past and in the real world. You know, tribalism is a way that humans have survived in the real world and seeing how they survived being dropped off in Cantha, there are parallels to that in like the beginning of civilization there's an advantageous aspect to believing that your side is right about something yeah because it emboldens you and it empowers you and it didn't work out well for Terai and his group lost in the desert fighting a war that is definitely not um, looking so good for them. Uh -huh. Definitely not something that they're looking to get the advantage from. And it, that tribalism has, you know, it's not looking so good for the real world as is. Double-edged sword. But I do think it's just innate. I do think that it's part of just humanity. It's part of who we are. No, that makes sense. You're going to align yourself with people who think like-minded? Yeah. Or if you just someone who has a bit of a vision, a bit of more of a direction, people will follow? Well, Terai had a vision, <laughs> and he had direction, but he did not have the following of all of his followers. Oh, man. So this division among the followers of Tyrios is grievous against the magical onslaught that we know the Forgotten are capable of. That's crazy. They're a peaceful race when they're approached kindly, but by the six, if you cross them, they'll rain Arcana down on your ass so hard it'll make your head spin. Damn, dude, Tyrios and forgot about Dre, man. He <laughs> forgot about Dre. <laughs> <laughs> The once awesome Asa falls on the sand of the crystal desert. His soul 
is bound, and the punishment is a serious check to his ego. His spectral form is stuck walking the sands, unable to pass from the realm. That is, until the true worthy, prophesied by Glint, unlock the power of Augury Rock, thereby opening the path to the Hall of Heroes. Oh shit, okay. So when the worthy, aka the player character from Guild Wars 1 show up, Tarai and his entourage of spectral Elonians are more than happy to assist you. They want to be freed. That's right. They've been stuck on this. Dude, that's great. So that's how he dies. He goes and fucks the Forgotten. That is exactly how he dies. Oh shit, okay. In case you forgot... Don't mess with the forgotten. He thought that they were mindless beasts. He un- he made one poor calculation. Damn. He thought they were akin of the Hydra that roamed the desert. Oh, the Hydras were cool. He just let his ego get out of hand and... Damn, man, that's insane. Try the that's once awesome. also really cool. Forgotten or OP. They do some really insane stuff here in a little while. Okay. Yeah, they're ha- happy to help. 200 years of being bored and dead in a desolate <laughs> wasteland will do that to you. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. So as stated earlier, between the years 1070 and 1075 AE, the events of the Flame Seeker prophecies unfold. And we see the conclusion of Abaddon's twisted story with the culmination of the Nightfall campaign in 1075. That's sort of when all loose ends of that prophecy are tied up. That is specific to that campaign, but the mastermind behind it being Abaddon, who we see on the way out five years post-Flameseeker prophecies. Okay. But in 1078... A.E. Primordus stirs. Mm. This is the first event of the current Dragon Awakening. This causes some huge changes that would ripple out and change Tyria for centuries to come. Namely, for this part of the tale, we will look at the right of the Great Dwarf and the disappearance of the Brotherhood of Dragons who, as previously stated, were a group of dwarves who had dedicated themselves to protecting Glint's legacy, and more accurately, her offspring. Notably, they defended Vlast, Orin's big brother. They defended him from the destroyers in Guild Wars Eye of the North, though they did align themselves with Glint In a more practical sense, their patron deity and spiritual allegiance was still to that of the Great Dwarf. But post-taking the right of the Great Dwarf, they're mostly gone. So, what is Glint to do about this? Well, eventually, the role is taken over by a group of humans. It's a nomadic group of Canthans and Elonians. That would later come to be known as the Zephyrites. They band together. The Zephyrites. Festival of the Winds. Played through it, you know, season one. And that was the celebration of Ellen Keel. Is that her name? The Black Lion Trading Company. Basically, Evan Nashblade and Ellen Keel. Ian Keel. (laughs) I'm not sure. They were having a... Uh, 
like an election for essentially Lions Arch City Council. Really? Yeah. That's really funny. That's really cool. And she won because Evan Nash played as a little bit. Mm, he's a little bit of a Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> we'll okay. say he's a little, a little bit rough around he, the edges. He's a little bit sure. evil aligned. He's not necessarily a bad guy, but he Nash is played. evil and yeah. greedy. Nash played. Evan Nash played. You know his little treats that are always stuck inside the Black Lion Trading Company, the, the Black Lion chests. Yeah. Yeah, usually they're, eh, whatever, we're in the weeds on this one. The Zephyr, uh, over time, the Zephyrites are tasked with studying resonance crystals, while the scant few who remained of the dwarves did what they do best and forged spears infused with the blood of Kralkatoric, the oh, blood shit. that Glint had collected all those years ago from the original Dragon oh, Awakening. Damn. They were weapons that could inevitably and would inevitably be used to inflict injury upon the slowly awakening elder dragons. That's great. Yeah. Do you remember finding those Damn. spears in Guild Wars 2? I remember the using dragon's them. blood spears. Especially yeah. Dragonfall. It's part of the story, finding them in the forge under Thunderhead Keep. Or what was the ruins of Thunderhead That's so cool. Keep. That's so cool. So this group, uh, this group of Zephyrites, however, was much more human than the pragmatic Brotherhood of Dragons. And they placed their full faith into Glint and revered her as the savior of the mortal realm, raising her to a deific platform versus the dwarves okay. who still believed more in the great dwarf daddy. Sort of like... Zealous, yeah, fervent believers that Glint was the savior. It was this fanaticism that led them, well, a group of them, to undergo a powerful ritual in the city of Kesho, okay. the Forgotten, with their unmatched magical prowess, conducted the rite, transforming a group of Zephyrites into spirits unbound from their mortal form who could uh, live hell? eternally onward bound to suits of armor. These constructs of spirit and metal were the first of the exalted. No shit. Okay, that's fucking cool. The look on Tony's face right now, he is absolutely yeah. speechless. That's so fucking cool. I love it when I love it when the story does that to you. How many times have you ran into the you you've got all their masteries, Tony? How come you didn't know how they came to be? I don't know, my lord. Neither do I. I learned when I was writing this show up. That's so okay. So were the resonant resonance crystals used? Is that what they were studying these things for? Well, the Zephyrites? Do you remember they were first introduced in Dry Top when the Zephyrites crashed? Uh, um, do you remember the, the wreckage jump and stuff? in the first episode of Living World Season 2 where you needed the crystals that give you the special action? That's more or less what... What they are, what they do. What she wanted... What she wanted them to be studying. Learning okay. how to infuse crystals with power to make you do better stuff or give you aspects yeah, yeah. of okay. the dragons empower Gee, you that's crazy they are so cool the exalted 
split into two groups. One was to remain in the city of Kesho, where they would raise the first of Glint's scions, Vlast, also known by the bards as Gleam, Gleam, the baby dragon from the central transfer chamber in Eye of the North. The other group traveled with Forgotten to the Maguma jungle, where they would eventually construct the golden city of Tarir. They were tasked with tending the unborn egg, the unborn egg that would become the pivotal ally for Dragon's Watch. Baby Ori, so much AB metas. So many AB, so much loot in the city of So much loot before they fix that. At first, it appears that Glint was just sort of toiling making no real progress for the upcoming fight with Kral Katorik and the Elder Dragons at large. But when you really look at it as a whole, she was making some really was, big moves. That was her ace, that was her ace yeah. on her, you know, She's sleeve. just doing a lot of ace small things that mobilize and all come through in the end to add up to something amazing. She's essentially yeah. created a force that would help keep the world on her so-called golden path for centuries to come. <laughs> Over time, crazy. the forgotten disappear from the planet, and not too much is known about that. Either they all die, or they are sent back through the mists from whence they came. But they fade from they fade from view, as do the dwarves. As do many like other races. Hiding out somewhere, trying to mind their own business, maybe. They could be anywhere. They're so OP, there's no way they died out. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible. I'm with you on that. I don't know. And even if that's not true, I'm still going to believe it They're because so I cool. love the Forgotten. My word. Damn. We remember you. Underrated. We remember you. So now we're going to get into some spoiler talk. It's going to this next bit is going to have some spoilers for the novel Edge of Destiny. The novel. Yes. Ooh. It generally encompasses some years leading up to the events of Guild Wars 2 kicking off. Is it one of the 3 novels? I know there's 3 novels out. Yeah, there are 3 novels. Ghosts of Ascalon, Sea of Sorrows, and Edge of Destiny. In the years leading up to Guild Wars 2, a new group of dragon-hunting heroes forms a guild. This guild is known as Destiny's Edge, a fusion of their previous names, the Dragon Spawn Destiny, which is kind of lame, and Edge of Steel, Destiny? which is pretty cool. But that's just my Dragon Spawn Destiny. They're Destiny's Edge. They're an interesting and diverse group, containing members of all the playable races of Tyria, But this isn't really their story that we're telling right now. But Destiny's Edge gets information that the soothsayer Glint was in fact the former dragon champion of Kralkatorik. And they do something very hasty and unwise. They attack Glint. But luckily, Glint does not take too long to show her benevolent nature. Instead of fighting with each other, they align themselves... They align themselves with the dragon who shares their goal. And united, they turn their sights 
on the crystal dragon, Kralkatoric. And it's at this last moment that one member, Logan Thackeray, abandons his post. Little bitch. He abandons his post in response <sighs> to a threat to the human queen, Jenna. Can we get some Fs in he chat? He just had to do it, didn't <clears throat> he? We will do an episode on Destiny's Edge. And then another one shitting on I don't Logan want I don't want to rip on Logan too hard right now. Bonus episode coming up. <laughs> Confirm. Logan Thackeray's actions result in the death of two of the assaulting members. Snaff, the Asurin Golemancer, who Logan was tasked to protect. And it is with a heavy heart that I inform you that our prophet, the beloved Glint, is torn asunder in the jaws of the great elder dragon. Her life ends. Her life, yes. But her legacy lives on, and to this day, is still playing out. Damn. Damn. Yeah, writing that last part, I had been focusing on this for some weeks now, and writing that final little bit there actually evoked some, like, deep grief inside of me earlier today mm -hmm. and i was like wow that's that's heavy and like just coping with that and realizing it's just a video game but stories there you still grow up with I the guess characters that's true. right i mean wow there is still more there yeah there is still more to the story that bridges between this point and the beginning of guild wars 2 Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to leave it on Glint's death, but the Zephyrite come and pick up her pieces and create the Zephyrite Sanctum using them so that they can move to the clouds and be unmarred by the surface world while they st continue their study of the aspects and the uh, resonance crystals. So they pick up her pieces, use them? And her legacy is so far-reaching that you must just play the games. I'm sure we'll talk about more pieces that do include Glint and her overreaching golden path. Uh -huh. But at this point, this is the end of her story. The golden, golden path, path lives, lives on. on. And with End of Dragons on the horizon, that was really her end game. This is the end of the story yeah. that Glint yeah. foresaw and accommodated for. Her whole goal when the dragons fell back into their slumber was prepare for the next dragon awakening. So we're creeping toward the culmination of all of that baggage. It's quite Damn. a bit. Oh, Tony, what are your final thoughts on Glint? We've been kind of just chatting about it, but do you have anything that you're really dying to get out there on the table right now? Or any questions I might be able to answer? No, not, not particularly. I kind of, the whole, I can't even be mad at her death. You know, she did a lot of things. She set up everything, got the ball rolling. She was just, I don't know, just the cherry on top of her being alive and doing some more stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Other than the fact that, holy crap, her story is awesome. I don't got much. What a good creature. My final thought is just that it leaves me unexpectedly heavy. Unexpectedly heavy of heart which huge props to 
all of the teams who have handled this throughout the the years this has been a story since 2006 at launch you did such this a has good been a job story that Joe was handled feelings. by people writing novels about this and different teams of narrative designers mm-hmm. and they've all done such an amazing job that i feel mm-hmm. bad now <laughs> but let's end this on a brighter note i wanted to do a, a little shout out to one of my friends in the show, I kind of wanted to start doing, you know, spotlights for yeah. guilds or content creators, streamers who I like, you know, you like. So I wanted mm. to give a big shout out to my friend Penguin Paladin. Check him out. Twitch.tv slash Penguin Paladin. Dude's a software engineer. He's super duper intelligent. He was blowing my mind earlier just talking about coding and things that I totally don't understand. Nice. Yeah, you can catch him on Twitch running Poff Meta Trains pretty often and dabbling in world view world um so if you're interested in learning how to make money that pop meta train is like the way to go nice yeah i heard that that's pretty good living world season four meta train pop meta train it's like one of the highest gold returns for time in the game right now might have to look into that i might have to watch his stream and see <laughs> exactly <about>. man exactly <laughs> and he's just super cool and um just like a very calm presence love to love to pop in his stream and say what's up you know nice. and now we have some new player advice tony what do you have for us this week yes this week i have i'm going to be talking about inventory bags and the different types and a little bit of how to obtain them uh, there are various sizes ranging from, there, there's just a ton, I'm going to name them off right now, 5 bag slots, so 5, 8, 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 24, 28, and 32. It's a lot. You can get bags from vendors, trading posts, you can get them from crafting, low bag slots that contain 5 each, they go for like about 5 copper. They're pretty cheap. You can get them from various vendors around Tyria. You can get them from the trading post. You can get them from story missions, like personal story and stuff, for free. Uh, even heart vendors as well. If you're out there doing heart hearts, just check out the vendors. You never know what cool loot you might get. On the trading post, you can, like I said, get the five slotted bags for about five copper. And they cost the, the cost goes up as you look at more slotted bags with like 12 like 20 being at 12 gold if you're if you're crafting these there's different recipes uh for various different bags some you'll learn automatically with crafting level and others you'll have to discover the recipes for and there's a vendor near the crafting guy or the crafting table that you can i think sell some recipes as well the crafting tables include the tailor leather worker and armorsmith if you need help or wanted to look at stuff with your own eyes, you can just go over to Guild Wars. Did you Wiki talk about the oil? Uh, just search inventory uh, back. And you can the look invisible for and oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm about to talk about the different ones. There are there are eight different bags. Uh, we'll be starting with the basic bags. They're your normal bags. Um, they are affected by a compact and deposit. So they, if you hit those things, they'll take all the items from there. Or if you hit compact, they'll move all the items and squish them down. Next, we have Craftman's Bag. They contain looted crafting material as well as sigils and runes. So when you get those from killing like some monsters out in the world, uh, they Do they make those in 7,000 uh, slots? sigils, and runes. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how big they go up to. I'm going to assume each one is going to do 20. 
I did not look into that though. That is a good question. Next is oiled packs slash junk that you loot will automatically get transferred into these bags. So it'll just contain it's just a bag of junk, <laughs> basically. Um, which I guess is kind of nice. You, it's all sorted and all organized already for you. Next is equipment boxes slash nomads lockers. Any weapons or armor you loot go into these bags. They can get specific too. There's some fractal vendors that sell the same type of bags, but they're more specific. Whereas like one, you can you can buy a bag that will go will just have exotic gear transferred into it. And they have like rare, uncommon, and different choices. Next is Siege Master Satchel. Consumables that are looted will go into those. Then we have invisible bags, safe boxes, couriers bags. Items held in these bags are basically like the name says invisible. So if you're trying to sell stuff, uh, you're trying to deposit, compact, none of it will be touched. So if you want to put like uh, uncommon unidentified gear and you want to salvage stuff put it into these bags these bags are also unaffected by salvage so they're a safe space for things you want to save next we'll have equipment packed boxes slash marshals bags combination of equipment boxes and invisible bags so they'll have like your weapons and armor and nothing will get sold slash uh, salvaged from them they won't be affected as well and last we have Olmacon bandoliers slash tengu bags. Uh, they contain containers and consumables. Sort of like loot bags, but I'm not entirely sure what they are. But they hold your containers and consumables. And that'll be all for that. That really makes me want to go back through and reorganize my bags because I've been praying for an auto sort mechanic and it's kind of been in the game yeah. this whole time. Yeah, you just have to put a little bit of work or like Yeah, I haven't utilized what's actually there. Instead I've been a big baby about it and just complained that there's no <laughs> auto sort mechanic. So a little bit of blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. I mean it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, I've done it this long manually. I guess it's not the worst, but I mean, if you like convenience and like being organized, I won't um, craft any of that. Probably, I'll probably just learn how to do a Living World Season Four Meta Train from Penguin mm -hmm. and <laughs> buy them. Uh, they're a good option to use in your crafting if you want to level up too. So you can just upgrade them. And oh, one thing I forgot to mention in the trading post, you can buy up to twenty slot bags. If you want to go higher, you will have to craft them yourself. Um, and like I said, check out the wiki. There's recipes there and how to start getting crafting. Take it back to Guild Wars 2 efficiency from a previous episode. Throw it in the crafting calculator and you'll know exactly how to do it. Link your API and good to go. Good to craft. Is that all, Tony? Is there anything else about bags that we need mm -hmm. to know? No, that's it. All right. That's it for well, now. Yeah. You can reach us on Twitter at Lores Guild, Instagram at Guild Lores Podcast. I have not been super active on there lately, but I you know do. I should be. I, I like taking that. screenshots, so we'll we'll get back on top of that here pretty quick. <laughs> it bothers me every time <laughs> I look at it. And there's nothing new on there. I'm like, ah, I just need to throw something up. I like I like screenshots. They're pretty. And you can email us at guildlorespodcast at gmail.com.
in game you can reach tony at cartoonlink.6180 and myself at trogdormama.4903 thank you all for listening and we will see you in Tyria. Yeah, thanks for listening guys <laughs> goodbye